Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you are with us today. Welcome to Lunch Hour with Renault. Um, my name is Joel. This and it's is super weird sitting this side of Joel. <laughs> I'm suddenly like, what the heck is going on here? Why is this happening? He's sitting on my, Renault. He's sitting on my bad side. Usually I try to keep everybody to this side now of me. Now I know why this all happens. <laughs> um, but I'm joined here with uh, Gabe Forsyth. He's our missions pastor here at Mosaic. And uh, Terry Jeter, he is our executive pastor of operations. And uh, so it is good to be with both of you guys as we continue our Every Moment uh, series with Lunch Hour with Renell. Um, we're going to be talking today about local and global mission in a big world. Um, and we're also going to take a little bit of time to dive into um, the Opportunity Fund, uh, which both of which are a part of the Every Moment initiative. Uh, that we're stepping into. And so um, we're super excited about this because local and global mission um, and making the most out of uh, every opportunity that God has given us has really always been a passion part uh, for, for us here at Mosaic. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, and I think too, um, as we dialogue today together and you guys will hear from uh, Gabe and Terry as well in terms of how everything plays out here and how we think about everything strategically because uh, we, we need to, um, the idea of impacting the world as a collective in the organized form, in other words, in, in, as, a, as a church uh, collectively, is really a non-negotiable at any point in any part of our vision. And so part of the reason why, as we look at the Every Moment initiative and we talk about why are the things that you guys have landed on in terms of where we're going as a church, why do they matter? This one matters because it's biblically non-negotiable in, in every way. Us stepping out and being redemptive in the world in both our local and global context is essentially what we're stirring up and spurring on the church toward, is to be redemptive on behalf of Christ with the Spirit of God as we move out. So uh, we don't just want the individual, you or me, to be equipped to do that. We want to also be doing it as a church. And so a big part of what the church is doing as a collective organization is strategically asking the question, how do we collectively impact the world while we are equipping the individuals to individually impact their circles of influence and their world in which they live? And that combination is really what being missional is all about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think of, you know, this, this whole thought process that we're walking through, just how important it is to God uh, that we join with him in his mission uh, to, to reach the world. I mean, the last thing that Jesus said before he leaves planet Earth is what? Go and make disciples of all nations. We know that as the great commission. It's this moment, this epic moment where Jesus has died on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And some of his very last words are, hey, I've been given all authority. So now I want, I want you to go uh, and make people followers of mine. Uh, and that has been going for 2,000 years. Yep. In Mosaic Church, here we are, uh, just a little part of that beautiful yep. unfolding story. And I think to an extent, too, uh, you know, as we talk about Mosaic Church, we're obviously talking about two parts, the collective and then the individuals, because we are the church, the people, but we are also collectively the body of Christ. And I think part of why all this comes into play then as a church is because we also, as a church leadership, want to make sure that the things we're doing as a collective church are the same things that we are asking the individuals to do. So if we're asking you to go impact your local and global community, we ought to be leading the pace as a leadership 
leading this church into that as a collective. If we're asking you to be generous, we ought to be leading the pace in our generosity as a yeah. church. If we as a church say to you, go change the world, but we spend all of our resources and energy internally, then we are not leading you well. If we say, go be generous, but none of our budget goes out of the doors and is invested in outward things, then we are not leading you well. So that's what you'll see today is that as a church leadership leading this collective, we want to be doing the same things that the scriptures calls you and I to do as individuals. Yeah, I want to say a, a quick hello to Autumn and April. And, What's up, guys? Uh, Carol and Michelle and, and the others who are here with us today as we jump into a conversation. And as always on Lunch Hour with Renault, um, we are uh, absolutely open to any questions that you may have or any input that you have. Feel free to drop that in the comments section uh, of this video. Um, and we'd love to include you in this conversation. But I want to start off uh, today just with uh, Gabe and just asking you, um, just as our missions pastor, um, you know, here at Mosaic, what, what, what do we want to be a part of locally and globally? I know we talked uh, a lot about that in terms of justice and mercy. Um, so so let, let's kind of maybe start our conversation there. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, as a church, we, we talk a lot about jumping into unredeemed spaces and being redemptive in unredeemed spaces. And so as we've uh, thought about it over, over the last you know, several years and, and have been learning and growing together as a church, um, we want to jump in into three particular spaces that we feel like are, are under this idea of justice and mercy that are both um, calls biblically to the church to be involved in, as well as real needs in our city and in our world. And so uh, those three things are, are um, stepping into the world of orphans and vulnerable children, uh, stepping into um, the abolition of, of human trafficking, and, and our most recent initiative is, is stepping into poverty alleviation. Um, you know, for us as a church, we the first one that we really jumped into was that, that world of orphans and vulnerable children. Mm -hmm. And so both locally and globally, uh, it's a real need in our world. And, and it's a biblical call on the church to care for orphans and vulnerable children. So as we stepped into that space and began redeeming stories, we began to see the connectivity to say, to see that if, if the lives of these kids are not intersected, where do they end up? Oftentimes they end up um, being exploited. And so we wanted to step into the world of trafficking and do something about that. Um, and then we also saw uh, some of the root causes of what creates this vulnerability in families and in children is often poverty and associated with poverty. And so we wanted to step in locally and globally and do something about that as well. So that's our heart. The core of our heart for justice and mercy is helping vulnerable kids, helping vulnerable families. Uh, and so that's why we get involved in those other two areas as well. Yeah, and if you were with us a while back, we kind of highlighted this uh, during our weekend gatherings and talked about it uh, with this analogy of, of a river. And when you see, uh, you, you, you recognize that some of these issues uh, are upstream issues like you know, poverty is some of the cause um, of things like, uh, you know, human trafficking or uh, things like orphans and vulnerable children. And, and orphans and vulnerable children will precipitate to human trafficking. And so we kind of just recognize that this is, uh, these are areas that we can step into that when we enter into poverty alleviation, it benefits orphans and vulnerable children, mm -hmm. which benefits and, and keeps people out of human trafficking. And so they're all intertwined, uh, which has been a really, really cool um, process to see that yeah. unfold. And it would have been nice 
if we ha did not have human trafficking yet, yeah. and we realized this and we were just working right. on poverty and orphan right. care, that way we don't have to deal with human trafficking. The trouble is we're coming late to the game, if you will. Sure. And so there's already a boatload of people being exploited, so we have to work in all three categories right. because, right. because there's already a bunch of people downriver. So yeah, we gotta yeah. go get them because we missed them here uh, and because poverty is still a reality. So yeah. we're working on all three. You yeah. wanna say something, yeah. Gabe? Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, Oh, the, our newest initiative, the poverty um, initiative, you know, we've, we've been involved with global partners that are focused on poverty for a number of years now. But in terms of really digging in locally, that's, that's really what's new for us. And so I'm really excited as we dig into that. Um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we moved into this new building here in Winter Garden. We moved from Oakland to this space, and we knew moving into this space that it was going to create this conversation and open up uh, this world in a, in a way that we hadn't been able to dig in before. Uh, partly because of where this building is located, you look at the neighborhoods surrounding Winter Garden and there's, there's uh, you know, you go from one neighborhood that's impoverished to a neighborhood that's wealthy and they're right next to each other. And so it's right here in our face in Winter Garden. And so, uh, so that's what we're doing with the poverty team is focusing on Winter Garden, particularly on East Winter Garden, coming in as learners seeing what's going on, seeing what God is already at work doing and, and who we can partner with uh, and to begin to make an impact there and uh, you know, asking God to show us where we as a church can fill in the gaps. So we've started working with, with people like uh, Jobs Partnership who are providing job training, uh, working with New Beginnings who, who do outreach in that community um, and we're also working with um, a Circles program through St. Luke's uh, that's really coming alongside the residents of East Winter Garden and walking with them to break the cycle of poverty. And so through those different organizations, we're getting in and we're serving, we're learning, and we're asking God to show us what, what else we can do as a church to make an impact in this community right outside our doors. Mm. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's really cool because, you know, when you think about the, the opportunity to make an impact in, in our community very visibly, um, you know, this is an area that we have uh, an incredible opportunity to make an impact here locally, and I, I love our heart at Mosaic has always been for global uh, impact and, and to care for people all over the world. It's also awesome to see um, that we've, we've got an opportunity to do something right here uh, in our neighborhoods, that it's not an either or, yeah, um, where, we, yeah, where we just focus on, oh, let's, let's you know, meet the needs of people uh, all around the world, um, or let's only focus on our own community. Um, but it's a both and and saying, hey, let's let's step in and, and take care of, of anyone that God has called us yeah. uh, into. Terry, I, I'd love to hear just kind of your, your perspective, just a little bit of uh, kind of the, the history of Mosaic in terms of uh, just the evolution of kind of how we've approached um, caring for uh, people, uh, the, how we've approached uh, utilizing the resources that God has entrusted to us to meet the needs around the world. Um, and what that has been like, um, you know, here over the last decade plus uh, that you've seen uh, and been a part of uh, Mosaic and, and meeting those needs. What has that looked like from your perspective? I mean, from my perspective, it's been it's been exciting. Um, sometimes <laughs> it's been scary uh, from the financial aspect. Yes. Other, um, we kind of, as a church, have always tended to be fearless um, and. That's the thing that's exciting to me is the fact that uh, there were times when we needed to meet a need somewhere else and we had to sacrifice actually with our operational funds to be able to do that or to stretch money that we didn't have to stretch. And, 
it's just been exciting to see the different areas that we've gone into. I was around when we started doing orphan care uh, uh, stuff in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many orphans did we start with when we started? Was it like... So we started with 20, yeah. and then that quickly grew to 50, and then to 100 over a span of the first few years. And the, the nice thing about when we did the orphan care thing, we actually had people that partnered with us. In other words, people within the body uh, signed up to sponsor an orphan. I think it was like $40. Yeah. And over the years, that's, that's you know, been a part of the, they're a part of the, the 100 that we're sponsoring. But we, we invite people that are part of our congregation to jump right in and participate. And, the, and they actually got more involved because they were individually contributing to an orphan. And uh, just to see the benefit of that over the years. And we learned as we were doing that that there were, uh, uh, you know, when you work in other countries, sometimes you had to look beneath the hood and make sure that the money that you're putting in is doing well. And we're very happy with the partnerships that we have now. Mm -hmm. But it's just been a great experience. Um, I am very honored to be a part of a church that not only focuses, uh, 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 you know, inwardly on the people that are here, and I'm a big part of that, but externally, people in other countries. And then I'm excited about what Gabe's talking about, doing things on a local level, because there are huge needs. Uh, and uh, every community we've been a part of, in Oakland, we were a part of a lot of things locally. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that we're in Winter Garden, there's a great, a great opportunity to, to do things there. Yeah, yeah it has been um, a wild ride over the last uh, decade plus, um, even in the evolution of how we think about impacting the world with the finances that we have. Because I think, you know, when Terry says uh, it's been exciting but also scary, uh, you know, that goes, goes back to the early days uh, where in regularity in my personality, uh, I would roll into spaces in the local and global context before we had strategies and plans and awesome thoughts about how we look at the river and the upstream and the downstream. It was just like we find someone, they have a need, we meet it. That's, I mean, a yeah. and so what, what that meant, though, was that a lot of times there was a lot of random stuff being thrown up. And, uh, and, and so it wasn't vetted well. Sometimes Terry would be like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And then I'd be like, well, I think we should do it. And, and, and he would be amazing at making it happen, but then also amazing at saying, as we think into the future, let's try to become a little bit more strategic and plan through these things a little bit more so that it's not always disruptive. We don't, you know, we used to say all the time, and we still do to an extent, we never want to survive at the cost of serving. We always want to serve at the cost of surviving. So that's great. But I think what Terry was very helpful in doing early on and ongoingly is to say, we don't necessarily have to die to serve. So like, if we're dying to serve just because we're stupid or foolish uh, and we're not planning well, then that's, that is foolishness. And so it, it's been an amazing, journey. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I've appreciated so much about both Gabe and Terry, but Terry in particular in the financial side is um, Terry is very practical uh, and very thoughtful. That's why he heads up all of operations and finances, uh, but he's extremely compassionate. And so he's an easy sell on any time I need money to change the world, which has been really helpful because that's not always the case when you have a guy at the helm of operations or finances. They're you, not usually, they're, they're often their job is to guard the money. Terry's job is to spend it well. And, and, I, and, I, and I've loved that about having him with us for well over a decade now is he just helps us spend it well. He is not the guard dog over the money because he's, he's incredibly compassionate. And so it's been a lot of fun yeah. for us to have that, but it's also moved us into spaces to say, how can we become 
really strategic about this so that we can spend our money in the right spaces without enabling people and we can spend a bunch of it in the right way. And that's been really fun. And we really don't want to build an opportunity fund up and look at it. In other words, that's some churches do that where they'll just set up this fund and say, wow, we've got this great fund. Yeah. We've always been a church where we wanted to be generous and we wanted to look for opportunities. We don't want to stand before God and have a big bank account mm -hmm. and God say, well, why didn't you do something with all this? Yeah, you know, people, people often say, uh, that's, uh, that's money for a rainy day. You know, I've, I've always heard that saying. And I always respond to that, have you looked outside? It's pouring. And so uh, we, we want to have that attitude. Like yeah. we are strategically building into our budgets the things we need for the strategies that we have in play and the things we need for the opportunities that will come our way. But we want to make sure that we're building it into our budget to utilize for these things, not to hold on to for some potential future thing. Yeah, and before we jump into all of that, um, I'd love to hear you know some more about what what we're intentionally planning to get involved in, mm -hmm. um, you know, locally with the poverty alleviation initiative, but globally, um, what are what are we looking to step into, um, you know, in the near future? What do we have going on? Yeah, so um, so a couple of I mean, there's a lot going on globally. Um, as you guys, if if you were here on Sunday, you you know you heard and saw. Um, that how since Get Loud we've been able to increase the number of global partners, um, and so with that it's just a multiplication of the stories and the opportunities that are there. So you know it's kind of funny when we, we'll talk more about this in the opportunity fund, but there, there's like Renault said, there's no shortages of opportunities. It's it's pouring outside. Um, but some of the things that we're excited about and, and looking forward to is one over the over the last two years through Get Loud um, we were able to fund. With, with Love 146, um, this, this neat little booklet that's um, uh, called uh, uh, My Body, and it's, it's an educational tool that Love 146 was able to implement in, in a couple different countries in Africa um, to do prevention education. Um, in terms of human trafficking, as Love, Love 146 was looking across the globe and seeing kind of where the hot spots were, um, you know, we, United States is one hot spot. Uh, you know, North, kind of North America, but Asia has typically been been a hot spot. But kind of off people's radar was Africa, and it was beginning to emerge as as this new hot spot for trafficking. Um, and so they wanted to get in there and do some prevention education. Um, so we were able to get behind that and help fund them, um, creating this flip chart booklet that they took and were able to bring to schools and, and, and through different partner organizations and train a whole bunch of kids and a whole bunch of trainers to go in and continue training. Um, so that's been really neat. But uh, with with every moment, we're looking at uh, stepping into and now taking that same booklet, translating it into Spanish, and, and getting it throughout Latin America uh, as well. So that's super exciting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which so. has been a huge area of focus of ours for mm -hmm. church planting. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love as well about, you know, kind of our strategy as a whole is that, you know, Mosaic, we love to partner, um, you know, church planting and justice and mercy efforts together um, so that, and I'd love for you to maybe just yeah, talk a little bit about that, that Yeah, philosophy. and that's something like moving forward, we're going we're gonna to be doing more and more trying to be even more strategic about justice and mercy and church planting in the same places. Um, kind of what's happened over the, over the past years is um, we, we have these justice and mercy partners that are related to those areas that we're passionate about in, in different countries. And then we have church planting focus in Latin America 
in the Northeast. And what we want to begin to do is kind of see where those overlap. So to see where we're already doing justice and mercy, let's say, like, for example, in Ethiopia, yeah. how can we now begin to invest in church planting in Ethiopia? Yeah. And then we're doing church planting in Latin America. How can we begin to invest in justice and mercy in these different countries in Latin America? And to make sure that we're doing both in the countries that we work. Um, and so w what will begin to happen is we'll, uh, different countries will begin to emerge as strategic countries where, where we can do both with partners that, that we have vetted and want to invest in. And, and so, I mean, as, as we shared on Sunday, Guatemala is a great example of this, of what we hope to begin to replicate in other countries. But in Guatemala, we partnered through Acts 29 with several church plants that are doing amazing work of, of reaching people with the gospel, making disciples. And now we're beginning to see those churches begin to step into justice and mercy. And, and through our partnerships there on the orphan care side, we're able to bring those two worlds together. And um, even just this last weekend, we sent a team from Mosaic to go um, provide respite at Fundaninos for the staff of Fundaninos so they could go attend an orphan care conference uh, and, be, and get further trained and, and be able to bring that back and, and, and continue to make Fundaninos an even better and healthier place for those kids. So it's opportunities like that where we begin to see the overlap of church planning and justice and mercy, and we want to invest into those things. And, and in those places where we see that emerging, we want to go deeper in terms of both our financial commitment as well as short-term and long-term teams. So. And if you partner together and do them together, and you're leveraging the impact that we're able to do by doing it together. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, to, uh, to a large extent, um, we... As, as we were thinking through early on when we moved from the non-strategic generosity to a more strategic generosity and uh, early on conversations talking about where we're going to go, we landed on this idea of justice and mercy and church planting. And the reason that those two became the primary focal points were because uh, of a, a clarity we had biblically. Justice and mercy, here's Micah 6.8, right? A verse we probably know fairly well. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So that's a message that's both Old and New Testament. In the New Testament, it takes other forms in James 1.27 and spaces like, if you really want to know what is going to cause God's heart to go, yes, that's it, go take care of the vulnerable people. The, so affect justice and mercy. So we knew that that was a non-negotiable. We, we had to go do that. And then um, Jesus, when he was sitting with the disciples, he'd taken them up um, above Philippi, a, a city that was known for its paganism. And uh, as we understand it, most likely sitting right in front of a cave uh, where they believed was an entry point into Hades. And he, and he asked the disciples, hey, who do people say I am? And the, the boys are like, well, some say this, some say that. And then Peter says, you know, when he says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you, you are the Christ, the, the son of God. And Jesus says to Peter, yes, this has been revealed to you. And then he says, and, and on this reality, I'm going to build my church. And this is where he uses this word, the church, which he later says is his body and his bride. I'm going to build my church. And then I love this. He says, I think sitting right in front of this giant cave, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her or, or against it. So here, here's what I love about that. He could have said, and when the, when the forces of hell come, she will prevail. 
He didn't say that. He said, no, 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 the gates of hell will not prevail against her, which means there is a sending that comes with that. We take the church and we invade the unredeemed spaces, the the spaces that belong to the enemy, that belong to to the, the places of darkness. And when the church goes into those places, what Jesus said is that when it's the church going, my body, my spirit going, what is unredeemed there will not prevail. It will be redeemed. So we believe that if we only invest in justice and mercy and not in church planting, we may affect justice and mercy through people that belong to this thing called the church. But we are missing this component of what Jesus said needs to go as the church. But if we plant churches and we are not helping them uh, be effective in being just and merciful through organizations and partnerships on the ground, we limit their ability to be the church that is going to prevail. And so if we come at both simultaneously, we see the church go in bringing the gospel of justice and mercy and the gospel of spiritual transformation, renewal, redemption, all of that, and simultaneously affect this beautiful scriptural call. Let the church go into unredeemed spaces, affect justice and mercy, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's essentially why we do what we do. Yeah, and so um, when it comes to us as a, as a church uh, participating in that, collectively as an organization, we're going to fund these, these opportunities to plant new churches and these opportunities to resource justice and mercy ministries. Um, and then we're going to get involved on an individual level as well. And that's where short-term teams come in. And, and we've been each year kind of you know, steadily increasing the number of teams that we send to come and serve and come with the mentality of, we're coming for one week, this church plant or this Justice and Mercy Ministry, they're there the other 51 weeks out of the year. Um, So we're coming to support what they're doing. Whatever we can do that week, we wanna do to build into them and into their effectiveness. Um, Like the the merry-go-round analogy that we used on Sunday of saying, the the merry-go-round has some momentum, we're gonna come for that week and add some more momentum to that. Um, And so that's been really, really cool to be a part of that. and then one of the one of the things that we love is is to see um, as people go on these short-term teams and they're exposed to these partners and these stories, and God begins to stir in them that to to get even more involved. And so that's where you know seeing people go long-term comes in. Um, and so we're we're seeing that we've got um, you know a couple of young ladies at our church um, uh, that are that have gone on short-term teams over the last couple of years, and through those short-term trips become you know, convicted and, and, and called uh, to go and give more time. And so each of them are making two-year commitments. One young lady is moving in January to Boston and, and to work with the church plant uh, that we've been partnered with up there. And then another young lady is moving to Nicaragua to partner with a justice and mercy ministry that, that we're working with in Nicaragua. And so, again, you see that church planting and justice mm-hmm. and mercy, two ladies that have gone on short-term teams now going to make two-year commitments to go and serve in those ministries. Um, so we love that. We want to see more of that. Yeah, which is the benefit of, you know, uh, utilizing a long-term mentality when doing short-term missions, right? Yeah. Uh, versus we're just going to do some, you know, missions tourism. Yeah, which hit, country hit. have we not gone to yet where there's a missions opportunity right. versus we have partners in places. We're going to send our teams to go serve those partners. The other thing that's been really cool, in, in my opinion, to see is um, the, the global impact teams forming mm-hmm. around these global partnerships that we have um, where people go once, twice, three times to a, a country like you know Cambodia or Italy or 
um, or you know, or South uh, Africa, yeah, Guatemala, yeah. any of these partners that we have, and they go over and over again, develop relationships with the global partners, and then become advocates for those ministries and those church planters and those global partners here locally, um, here at Mosaic. Um, I, I love that. Uh, you know, this Friday night when we have the Global Mission Bazaar coming up, um, we're going to yeah. get to learn a lot about our global partners, not not necessarily from those global partners, but from the global impact teams yeah. who are going to be sharing about, man, my friend, you know, Antonio in Salerno, Italy, or, um, you know, my friend in Guatemala who's who's working with Funda Ninos or whoever it may be yeah. um, to be able to, to uh, advocate for them and to help people partner with them in substantial ways, which is really yeah. cool. A great example of that is the, uh, the Hargers. Yeah. Uh, we sent a team. They built relationship with them. They came back. The Hargers needed a vehicle. Not only people here on staff, but a lot of people in the community pooled together, and they were able to raise money to get an automobile, which yeah. honestly wasn't in their, uh, didn't look like it was going to happen on, on the horizon. Yeah, it wasn't and, in their budget, and it wasn't in our budget yeah. in terms right. of the strategic, but this team was able to, to pull the resources together and get them one. That was, that awesome. was a, a lot of fun to watch and yep. observe, to see yep. people jumping in because people were advocating. Yeah, yep. and, and it's not yep. something that we had to necessarily facilitate or make happen um, as an organization. But yeah. people who are a part of Mosaic who have a heart for uh, for mission and for yeah. being a part of what God's doing in the world yeah. stepped in and made that yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and the idea of this is really, you know, you know we, as we call people to step into different things, so take, for example, we, we've been calling for a number of years now people to step into adoption or foster care. And so when families do that, then we have wraparound care teams that come around them to support them in that call. And so it's the same idea with these global impact teams is we began to think, well, what would that look like globally for the people that, that have been called into these global stories? How can teams at Mosaic come around and wrap around them and be a part of that story from, from afar in the same way that our wraparound care teams support those that are stepped into adoption or foster care? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and you see that like biblically modeled in the way that um, you know the Apostle Paul would correspond with the churches that he had relationships with, yeah. and the way he would talk. I mean, it was a different perspective because he was an apostle to those churches. He planted those churches, but the 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 love and the relationship that existed between the one who was sent and the church who sent the one, right? Mm -hmm. And for us who, you know, we're here in Winter Garden, Florida, this central Florida area, when we have the privilege as a church to send people out um, to be on mission for the kingdom of God on behalf of Mosaic, but, you know, really for the kingdom, we get to wrap around them and, and to provide relationship with them um, when they are probably going to be very lonely mm -hmm. um, at times, you know, when you, especially when you go to an area where there are very few believers um, and you're, you're, you know, getting after it and doing the work of the kingdom and you feel alone having people back here at home who are connected yeah. is, it's a huge thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, in, uh, as, as you can kind of tell, as, as we talk about the focal point that we have as a church, especially as we think about vision and we think about where we're going to spend our resources and our energy, you can see why in these spaces so much resource has to go toward this. Human resource, financial resource, because these aren't small things. I mean, uh, we have a tremendous amount of global partners now in church planting and in uh, Justice Mercy. We have more that we want to bring to the table. If you didn't get a chance this last weekend, go podcast because you'll see all of those numbers then in terms of the amount of, of, of partners we're part of. And 
uh, Terry's job, uh, along with that team and the financial team, is to constantly build into the future the financial spaces in our budget to be able to fund all of this. And so there is this very strategic multi-year look that we're taking to say, we want to add this many partners, we want to do this many things, we want to support our current partners this way, we want to have these teams in play, we need staffing for this. All those investments are what this team is working on, making sure we have in play as the years unfold so that we can continue momentum on this. And then, in addition to this, we have, as we did in our early days, these sort of momentary opportunities that pop up that come sometimes from our global partners that are not in the regular support. So the way our support works is that we have a regular amount monthly, annually that we pump toward each partner. Uh, and that differs from the partnerships and what they are. And that's kind of makes up this, this general support. And then on occasions, our partners will have unique scenarios come up. They need a playground done. They need a van purchased for the ministry, whatever. And it's not in our regular support and it's not in their budget, kind of what we just talked about with the Hargers. Um, and, and we've always found it then, this challenge, if you will, to say, okay, this comes up. Now we want to help make that happen, but we don't have that budget in our budget. So then Terry starts doing his magic. Like, I'll shift this out of here and move this over there. And he used to do that all, all the time. And it can be fun, but it can also be challenging. In fact, I remember, do you remember the story that when we were talking the other day about this time and there was a story that you said this perfectly describes how it always used to work. Do you remember what that was? Uh, well, it was the time you had called me and said, hey, I drew some money. Uh, out of the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I kind of call it the, the watermelon story. Yes, tell yes. me the watermelon story. Well, so this right here, man, this is how it always used to roll. And we know that it sometimes still will. And so we want to build into these kinds of areas. But t tell that story. So the way it would work, Renault drew some money out of the bank. This is when we allowed him to draw money out of the bank. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. But he called me and says, I think it was like $300 or something. Yep. And uh, I said, usually I would text him. I'd say, hey, did you take some money out of the bank? He'd say, yes. And I said, well, i got to call you. And so we'd call him. And he was explaining to me, he says, well, me and uh, a couple of my sons were riding down the road. And we came upon this uh, uh, man with a truck and a trailer. And there were watermelons strewn all over the road. And uh, Renault saw that as a tremendous gospel opportunity. He stopped, he talked to the man, and he's like, what happened? And the man told him, you know, something, something happened to where uh, his trailer came loose and all these watermelons were all over the road. And Renault's like, well, that's not good. That's going to really affect your, your specific situation. And he's like, yeah. He was taking these watermelons to a farmer's market to go and yeah. sell them, and it was a primary part of their income and he was devastated because basically he was going to have to go home to his family and say, the watermelons all fell over, no income, zero income from the watermelons. So Renault asked him basically, you know, if you were to sell all these watermelons, what would it be? And the guy told him. And it was a reasonable number. It wasn't, yep. you know, some crazy number. And we were actually able, through Renault giving that man the money, to demonstrate the gospel uh, and I essentially bought all the broken watermelons. Yeah, that, which and is just, really cool. I just bought them all and said, leave them on the road and let's do this. And it was a, it's a small gesture, but it was a tremendous, it's a great example of looking for opportunities in our day-to-day -day lives uh, to be a blessing to people. Uh, and, you know, in this instance, it was the church stepping forward to do it. But I actually, I believe that we all should be looking for that opportunity in our day-to-day -day lives 
to have an impact on people. Sometimes it's uh, you're at the gas pump and you fill up somebody's car with gas. You can tell if they need the money. Yep. And so we want to be both random but also strategic in that uh, we we have money set aside to meet these kinds of needs. And that one's a it's a kind of a funny example. Yep. But we also there's just great opportunity that we want as a church to be able to step into stories yep. and also yep. to be available. In other words, uh, uh, be available to, 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 to God to use yep. the resources that we have. Yep. And the bigger we've gotten, uh, the harder actually it's gotten to be able to step into those stories just because uh, uh, we're, we're doing so much. One of the things that I was just thinking about that we do as a church, we don't just send $50 a month to a missionary. We significantly support the the yeah. partners that we have. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember when I was growing up, it'd be the church would give a hundred missionaries fifty dollars a piece. We would actually rather significantly partner and give them five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred a month, and that makes a bigger difference for those missionaries because then they're not having to run all over the world to get fifty dollars from you know yep. twenty churches. That's right. That's right. And and because. We have as many partners as we do now, and because we, when we get a partner, it's significant, that is a tremendous amount of resources going out. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's why Terry says, then it becomes a little bit more uh, difficult to have these random things happen because you're also being so strategic with all this, which we need to be, that when the random things come up, your tendency can be, well, we're already doing all this, and this is kind of just this random thing. So I was in Honduras. Um, uh, the beginning of this last year, Brooke and I, and uh, there was um, a partner there, Legacy of Hope, and they work with children from hard places that come into this home for a temporal stay, and these children come from extraordinarily difficult scenarios. And their one building has this little playground behind it with turf because it rains there a lot, and this playground, and then they would, they're doing this, they're, they're sort of um, getting this other building ready to house more children. And in the back of this building, there was this mud pit. And I was touring the place with my wife, with their leaders. And they said, man, we're so excited. This is going to be the new playground. And um, there's a team coming in in a couple of months to actually that has the playground equipment that's going to put it in. So now we know the playground's being funded and built. But he was nervous because in order for the team to do the playground, they had to get the turf down first. And they didn't have turf. And so he's like, I don't know that we're going to be able to do the turf in time for the team to come build the playground. So now the turf is gonna cause the playground not to be built, right? So I thought the issue was that they couldn't get a hold of turf in Honduras, but there's a place literally in the city they're in that does turf. So I was like, well, why don't you just do the turf? And he's like, well, it's expensive. So I said, well, how much is the turf? And he said, I think it was $3,000 yeah. or whatever it was. And so I literally just said to him, just call the guy today, get the turf done, I'll have Terry wire the funds into your account. Now we support this ministry already very strategically. That was not in the budget. And I remember as I said it, it was kind of another watermelon scenario, except $3,000. And that's also a game are, changer. There are zeros that keep <laughs> adding zeros to our keep opportunities, adding. right? And so, but I remember thinking two things in my head. One, uh, I, I'm sure Terry will be able to find it. And two, uh, I know Terry will want to. Like, I know he'll get it done because he always does. But I also know it'll be a hassle because there's no budget item for this, right? And so I did, I called Terry and he found the money and wired it in as usual and they got their turf and they got their playground, which is awesome. But that's one opportunity of the many global partners we have that just popped up. There's others that pop up all the time and that's just global partners. Then you have local opportunities and then you have things like even for us, uh, we want to expand into our city with the gospel and we want to see um, campuses uh, start popping up around our city. 
but a campus doesn't just happen overnight. And sometimes with campusing, an opportunity will pop up where a building will come available that's been sitting for a long time or a piece of land and you want to get in, but you need a down payment or you need to move quickly. And then again, now you have to go find a hundred thousand dollars or fifteen, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Three hundred. It's different than three hundred, okay. and you don't have it in the budget, and so then you miss those opportunities to see the gospel expand into areas of our city that it hasn't. So what we decided to do, as we talked, uh, the leadership is like, what if we are as strategic about the random opportunities as we are about the not random opportunities? What would that look like? And that's really where we came up with this idea of the opportunity fund. What if we took uh, and created an opportunity fund, like a, we had this fund that was ready for things like um, opportunities that our global partners need or our local partners need or campusing. And that's where Terry comes in again, where you kind of go to Terry and say, Terry, how would we create an opportunity fund? And then he started coming up with this idea of how we would do that. So yeah, mean, how does that work? I mean, basically we would uh, earmark money to go into this uh, bucket, uh, as you would, and as we as opportunities come up and leadership made a decision to uh, participate in something, we would we would jump in, and uh, we would collectively uh, make that decision among both the leadership team and the missions team, and it would just make it so much easier to be able to say, well, let's take three thousand or five thousand or ten thousand and help this partner out. Or I was just thinking actually, if an opportunity, if a great opportunity came up on a building or a piece of land. Sometimes if you have the money set aside and you can strike quickly, you can actually leverage and save money yes. uh, and take advantage of an opportunity. Yes. And if we had to go, one, and go out and borrow money or something, that takes time and you could actually miss the opportunity yep. that might come up. 100%. And so what, what we've decided to do um, is we've decided to say that uh, as, um, as income comes in, we're going to take a portion of that income, uh, a percentage, 5% in this case, and we're going to push that into the Opportunity Fund so that every month as we get income, 5% of that income moves into the Opportunity Fund so that over the months it builds and builds and builds, or as we spend it, it, gets, it goes up, it goes down, yeah. and, and so it, it develops. We're definitely not going to watch it. Uh, we're going to use it for gospel impact uh, and you know, to uh, impact our community both yep. locally and globally. So what this then affords us as a church, which is what I love, because this really gets into generosity now, right? Generosity tends to have two primary opportunities that are part of generosity and really part of the biblical call for generosity from an opportunity standpoint. One is the opportunities that you plan ahead for. So generally in a, in a church setting, that would be things like your tithing. Um, or a missionary that you've decided to support long-term and you've said for the next year or two or three, I'm committing 50 bucks a month to this missionary. It's commitment-based. It's commitment-based. Right. So I'm, I've prayed, I've made a decision, and I'm moving a percentage of my resources into that decision. And so for my wife and I, uh, that is our tithing and a couple of the commitments that we've made to long-term long commitments. And so you know every month that's going to happen. And generally for us... As a principle, we've always said, because of the Old Testament principle of tithing, that 10% is a good principle for, I'm committing 10% of my income to the reality of tithing, to, to giving to the work of God um, and, and, and pushing that into, I mean, the safest place is always a healthy church because there's a diversification of things you get to be part of. So we, we push into that. Then what Brooke and I found in our journey was similar to what we find in the church's journey 
is that you'd get a letter in the mail from you know, such and such's daughter who you know super well and they're going on a missions trip next month and they're trying to raise you know, $1,200 and they're wondering if you'll support them with 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Well, 50 bucks doesn't sound like a ton, but if you get 10 of those letters, like we do, then you're like, oh gosh, that's now a $400 or $800 line item in your budget and we don't have it. So what we started doing is we started saying, what would it look like to start creating uh, just out of our income another percentage that just goes in that sits in an account, a savings account that is available for that. And in some ways, we didn't call it an opportunity fund, but that's essentially what it is. And so as a, as a mosaic leadership, we've kind of decided to do the same thing because I think that that's a great way to look at my individual generosity in my participation in the kingdom. Because remember, generosity is not something that we have to do out of obligation. It's something we get to do out of privilege. Right. God allows us to participate in redeeming things with the simple act of taking resources that he gave us and utilizing or stewarding those resources in part to participate with him in his great work. And so as a church, we said, okay, we wanna make sure that 10% of our income is being invested in these strategic spaces, global partners, church planting, justice and mercy, uh, all of that world. And then 5% of our budget is now being set aside in addition to that 10% into this opportunity fund. So we start sitting between 15 and 20% of our income is starting to press out into outward investments where we're giving. And part of the reason we do that as a church is because we, we feel that is the opportunity God is inviting me as an individual into in my generosity journey. Why would we then as a church collectively not function in those same principles? And I love that we as a church function in those principles. And that's not always easy. It means we can't do other things. Uh, just like as an individual, there are things Brooke and I can't do now because we're generous with that. There's things as a church we can't do. And Terry, you know, that's a reality. And and honestly, I never feel bad about having to be wise about our church finances to be able to give. I feel good about it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but if you're not, if you don't plan for it, it doesn't work as well and you can't, uh, help with the opportunities that come up as much. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we definitely got a lot more systematic and planned through the years. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. It has been awesome. Yeah, it's it's planned spontaneity, right? Like yeah, you yeah. you you know you, you know it's coming. There is an opportunity on the horizon. You know it's coming, so we're going to plan. We just don't know what it is, right? Um, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to be and part of that. I think all of this, and Gabe, you would know this uh, really well, just considering your journey that you've been able to invest so much in vetting these partners. You know, Gabe gets the privilege of meeting with a lot of the partners, both locally and globally, and hearing their stories and and deciding what resonates. Once you start stepping into generosity and into getting behind what God is doing in other places, it's almost like this incredible excitement. I think about the Macedonian church uh, or the church that that was probably in Northern Macedonia when Paul was traveling um, and he was collecting resources and he wrote to the church in Corinth and he told them about Macedonia. And he said, when I was in Macedonia, these people were struggling. I mean, they were legitimately in, in a, a, a poverty scenario and he, they were wanting to give more of their resources to Paul to take to Jerusalem, right? And Paul told them no and they begged him. The, the, the scripture literally says, they begged me to take it because they wanted to participate. It's almost like they're saying, please don't, uh, uh, keep us from the privilege of participating. Once our hearts are bent that way because we know 
what extraordinary things we get to be a part of. It's really incredible how we begin to want to find more ways to live more simply, uh, to work more diligently, and to give more generously. And I mean, you know you found that in the Global Partners and Local Partners, what a joy it is to hear their stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun to, to, to hear the stories and to, to know what we're investing in, and then also to see the fruit. Mm. I, I even just think about, like, locally, when it comes to church planting, um, we, we've been able to see five churches started in this area um, that five years ago didn't exist. You know, you know, and, awesome. And now these it's churches have been planted. The Grove Church, mm-hmm. right? In, yep. in Claremont, beloved church in Claremont. C3 in South Four Claremont, Corners, Four yeah. Corners area. Grace Alive Church. Yep. Um, and are there in Pine Hills, correct? Yeah, well, um, that area. Orlando, Edgewater, Orlando. yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of on the edge of where Pine Hills and Orlando kind of intersect. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and, and so th- those churches didn't exist four or five years ago. Yeah. And, and we were able to step in and, and support, you know, been able to come alongside those churches, both financially and then also monthly. Like we have those, those pastors meet here at Mosaic on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. and we're able to relationally invest in their story as well. Um, so it's been, been super cool. Um, and five churches with hundreds of people now involved collectively in those five churches that are hearing the gospel, experiencing the gospel, being stirred up and spurred on toward love and good deeds, and they don't show up here at Mosaic, but they're part of our local community. And we got to participate in seeing those come to fruition. That is an incredible thing, and that's just the five local churches. and that's just here in Orlando. And then then we start thinking about Latin America, how we've invested in Latin America, and uh, that network of churches is growing at a tremendous rate. and um, Churches know, in Guatemala, Ecuador, yeah. Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, Venezuela. Yeah. You know, every year when Gabe, Gabe and I sit down and we kind of talk yeah. about the missions budget, he has... I was trying to push it more and more. Uh, he's, he, I love it because <laughs> he has a heart to help and, and to plant churches and to do stuff. And so... Uh, and it's a, it's a healthy tension that we have because he has a long list of people that he wants to support. Yeah. And... You know, many years we're able to add people, and then some years I have to say, well, we have to wait. And what Gabe's we already got the opportunity fund spent. He, he yeah. does. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and the thing is, though, I know his heart, and I'm like, I want to do more. I want to do more. And, uh, and so there are lists of people, uh, of both churches and partners, that Gabe has right now that we yeah. want to be able to. That we've already be, vetted, yeah. and we've yeah. already we've, ensured we've, that this would be great, a wise. I never worry about the vetting or anything yeah. like that. It's more along the lines of, can we start supporting them next year? And right. we've each year we've steadily added, if you saw the slide. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've done a great job of adding, but we want to uh, be able yeah. to add more. Yeah, and just on that, on the Opportunity Fund, like it is interesting, you know, we talk about, as we're talking about this Opportunity Fund and saying we want it available for when opportunities come up, but we already have a list of opportunities. And so uh, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years kind of how we play that out that, um, with our current partners. You know, yeah. think about like, Ethiopia, and we've been able to give a little bit to the building project yeah. in Ethiopia, and and that's just one example of several partners that there's more that could be done, and so you know that's the tension that Terry's talking about that we we want opportunities for a new campus or for this thing, but then we also want to come alongside our global partners in in greater ways. Yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, and you know just think about this is rooted in the Great Commission, and when Jesus told. Uh, the, the few little ragtag disciples who were uh, witnessing him ascend into heaven. There were just a few of them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have very much. Uh, they didn't have very, very they, they weren't people of many means. You know, it was just a few Jewish people who had seen the Messiah come, 
live, die on the cross, resurrect from the dead, which is a huge deal, right? And because of that, they were willing to take the good news of that to the ends of the earth, whatever that took. Mm -hmm. And here we are 2,000 years later, still on that same mission, um, and still seeing the beauty of the gospel unfolding um, in our own hearts. In our own, I mean, this is really where this is all, the, the rubber meets the road for all of us. Like why we talk about local and global and church planning and justice and mercy and, and you know, things that we get to do around our community and things we get to do abroad. All of that stuff comes from one simple fact that Jesus came for us, mm-hmm. that he lived for us, that he died for us, that he resurrected for us, that we can have new life in him. And out of the gratitude of that, we get to be people who engage in the Great Commission uh, to go and make and, disciples. And this is exactly where the joy of the way that the kingdom of God functions. Instead of taking 12 people, empowering them with some uniqueness ongoingly, they, they didn't die and they lived forever. And right. those 12 people just lived on and preached the gospel and everybody else was recipients of that. What we see happen instead is those 12 preach the gospel in Jerusalem and thousands come to know Jesus. Those thousands then build community and stir each other up. Then persecution comes and those thousands scatter and they carry the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. And that gospel scatters wherever those thousands scatter instead of those 12. Mm -hmm. And then as those thousands do what those 12 did in Jerusalem, then thousands of other little communities are born that then eventually scatter and those thousands become tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions. And you get 2000 years down the road and here we are. And our call hasn't changed at all. That we collectively, both as a collective and as individuals are carrying the gospel and are participating with our time, our relationships, our resources and our circumstances in making the gospel known. And that's what the joy is as a collective that we get to have things like opportunity funds and invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into other great works, churches locally, churches globally, justice and mercy locally, justice and mercy globally, not to mention the emerging gen here, not to mention equipping the saints through the work of the gospel, not to mention all the other things we've already talked about and will talk about. And this is what then creates for me the joy of inviting people into generosity as we're doing through the every moment initiative because it is not inviting people to give their money to a church. It's inviting people to participate with the resources God has given them them in the work of God that he's doing that has been vetted for them ahead of time. And what I love about this discussion, again, why Brooke and I love the idea of tithing and just going, there's a portion we get to play with in our opportunity fund, but the majority goes towards something like this is because I sit on this couch now and I'm like, dude, when we gave here, we were part of the church in Claremont. We were part of the church in Guatemala. We were part of the justice and mercy stuff in South Africa with the Hargers. We are part of this opportunity fund. Every time there's another watermelon story or another playground story, we're kind of part of that. We're also part of the emerging generations. We're also part of equipping the saints. We're also part of you going to your workplace and sharing the gospel. All of that because we took a portion of our income and participated in this thing called the church that is vetting for us all of this so that not only are we part of the little moments we get to be part of individually through that little opportunity fund we have, but we're part of all these moments that I didn't have to do the legwork of vetting every one of these partners and looking at all this. This is the great joy. And the capacity too. Like I think about, you know, Tiff and I as, as a family, 
like maybe we could support you know a couple missionaries here or there or a couple organizations here and there out of our budget yes. but then giving to mosaic we're able to be involved in 50 plus stories that mosaic's a part of yeah <laughs> because collectively where individually as a family i might have a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or two thousand dollars available for generosity collectively we have five million or seven million or ten million dollars available. I actually took a look today before this and wanted to look back over my tenure. I've been with the church ten years and how much we had done in giving yeah. over that ten year period. Uh, and that number was a little uh, little less than three million dollars. Not, not quite three. That's so what you're saying is Mosaic Church has given almost $3 million away that is in the last cor- That years. is correct, yes. That's incredible. Uh, through both direct and indirect support. And it was kind of cool because I never had taken a look at it. I know what we've done on an annual basis. I'm like, well, what have we done over the last 10 years? And, yeah. I mean, you think about it, that's many, many small amounts being put together yeah. and then sent out to uh, do the work of, uh, of the gospel. Because what's cool about that is that, like, that number if, if we look at who we are today, and I think about what we're planning to do in the right. next two years, is that's, almost like that's it's what's right. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's what's really fun. That's what I'm thinking about. Here's really fun. Three million over a decade, and over the next two years, we're going we're gonna, to. We're gonna, the, the goal gonna is 2.5 plus an opportunity. Yeah. Yes, yeah. right? So, so, so here's the insane part, right? When you look back 10 years, you're talking about a church awesome. that was 100 people right. 10 years ago, right. and then 150. And over that 10 years, as we have grown as a church, the numbers went. That our generosity has grown to the point that we can now say, over the last 10, we've given 3 million. Over the next two, we're going to come close to that just in two. Mm-hmm. And think about the next the awesome. next 10 after that. 10 years from now, what we get to say then, as we as a collective have become more and more convinced that our collective generosity mm-hmm. affords us stories beyond our wildest imagination. And that's what makes the Opportunity Fund, the strategic global partners in both Justice and Mercy and the strategic local partners in Justice and Mercy, the most exciting thing to be part of, yeah. on top of the investments internally to equip the saints and emerging gen and special needs yeah. and everything yeah. else. I mean, it is a ton of fun to be part of this, honestly. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. Absolutely. Well, um, man, thank you guys so much for taking yeah. your time to be with us here at Lunch Hour with Renault. And also, just, I mean, uh, it's w- what you start realizing, and I hope over the last couple of weeks you've seen this uh, in the last week and the week before, is that a lot of times those of us that have more of a visible front space, I'm on a stage teaching, uh, I have a position that's leading vision, there is this assumption, I think, that says all these things that are happening are ultimately coming in some way, shape, or form from this space. And the truth is it's just not. Uh, When you sit here, you start realizing... I have no idea what that list is of global and local partners he's vetting already. I just know that I trust Gabe to do it and all these other partners he's done so well. And I have no idea how to find all of the resources to make all this happen, but Terry does. And so what begins to happen is the collective uh, gifting and unique uh, personalities and wiring of myself, these two guys, Joel, all of us together, then creates this story of all the things we get to be a part of. And I get to sit on this couch and go, I'm blown away by how well this has been thought through and organized over the years from a strategic standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from an opportunity standpoint, that I just start going in the next years to come. I can't wait to see what these crazy people are going to come up with. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall on the meetings where Terry and Gabe are together pushing back and forth between how we're going to support all these partners because I don't get to be a part of those spaces because I trust these guys. And that's been a ton of fun. 
Very cool. Yeah, so you've gotten a bit of a preview into this weekend's uh, sermon, which is Just fun. a little bit. So, There's a ton more. Hey, it's, it's a good thing to join Lunch Hour. And thank you guys now. for all that you do. It's really yeah. a joy to serve and yeah. partner in the gospel with you. Yep. We're going to take a, a couple of weeks break, so we will not be with you next week, but we'll be back very soon. So uh, be checking on social media. We will keep you updated. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Great on to Lunch be with Hour you guys, with as always. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys thanks for being bro. here. Thanks it's been awesome.